Hello and welcome to Girls That Invest, the platform that empowers millennials through financial literacy. You're joined today by your hosts, Sim and Sonia, two millennial investors who are extremely passionate about all things investing and personal finance. Hey, Sonia. Hi, Sim. How are we going today? I am going well. Tell me about your day. Tell me about your week. It's just been Labor Weekend here in New Zealand, and it was a glorious long weekend for me. We even went to the market down at Mission Bay, albeit that was a mission, (laughs) to say the least. Who did you go with? Who was the amazing person that you went with? I mean, I went with, you might know her, her name's Simi. All right, who else did you go with? um, She actually brought along a friend, and, you know, that was great. We went to furniture shopping and stuff. Oh, and then also. Was there anyone else there? (laughs) (laughs) There's also Sim there as well, which was always a pleasure. You're welcome. It's okay. I mean, you didn't bring your dog, but it's fine. We'll get through it. We got through it. I can't believe we spent half the day just like looking around at home decor, just being like, oh, yeah, you know, like that couch, that would do it for me. And that vase, oh. Gosh, I really don't know who we thought we were, but we definitely pen and paper in hand, writing down codes like we thought we were doing something, you know? We really did. It was fun. It was fun. I think there is some enjoyment in pretending like you're going to, you know, spend 10 grand on a couch. It's good. It's good. All right, moving on. Today, I'm very excited for this episode. I've actually been really looking forward to it. Today, Sonia, we're going to dive into the investment portfolio of a millennial, in particular, yourself. Guys, if you don't know, I'm sweating already. It's nothing to sweat about. It's like, I don't think, I would hate for this to come across as like, let's judge what you're doing right and wrong, but more just like, what are people doing with their investing portfolios? Because I feel like we don't even talk about money. We don't talk about investing, let alone what someone's investing in like full stop I have never heard this being shared among our peers among just like money media in general so I'd love to make this more of a regular thing and who better to start with than with ourselves and in particular you right yeah I'm definitely definitely down to get into the nitty-gritty and what I do just want to preface this by saying that this isn't advice like sometimes you see those portfolio videos on like YouTube and they do like disclaimers and stuff, even Graham, Stephen and Nato Brennan, and they're always like, don't try to mimic what I'm doing. This is just something that works for me and my values at this current time might be different in the future. But I think that's fair enough. And saying that, I just think it's really valuable to see other people's journeys. One, like, first of all, it's just, nice and nosy to see what other people are doing you can sort of get an idea of how you're going not in comparison with them but in a way in an indirect way like okay they're doing that at this age that's interesting I think what I really love about these sort of episodes this obviously being our first one is one we get to sort of get an idea of what other people are doing what they're investing in what they're into Not to directly compare ourselves, but I think it is a pretty natural reaction just to see what else is going on and maybe use it as some form of a benchmark almost. But also, I guess, getting inspiration like, oh, this person did something 
a way that's maybe different from me. Maybe it'd be good to look into why they did it. It doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to change what I do or it doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to jump on that bandwagon and go buy that same stock or company, but definitely a form of food for thought. If you must, let's get started. All right, Sonia. Hello. All right, so let's start from the very beginning. I kind of want to break this up into three sections, one being, you know, the beginning stages before you began investing, like what your views and stuff were on it, how you started, da-da-da. Then I kind of want to move on to what you're currently investing in and where you're at right now. And then the last little bit is, you know, what's in the cards for you in the future in terms of your investments. All right, so question number one. What was your first interaction with investing or the idea of investing? What was the first time you kind of heard of it and how did that sort of affect how you saw it going forward? So that's a really good question. The first time I properly thought about investing was a few years ago when a colleague of mine was talking about investing. Granted, it was really short conversations and the way that it was explained to me made me hold off wanting to invest because it just seemed so difficult with all the jargon. Would you say that that was what was holding you back or just just something that, would you say there was like one particular thing that made you not want to do it until later on? We, we talked about this in our very first podcast that we ever put out, you know, the myths of investing. And for me, largely it was around the intimidation side of things in terms of it just seemed really intense. You had to research a lot and you had to, like you'd look into one thing and then you'd have to look into another thing. And like, I felt like I was Googling like every third word of certain sentences. Yeah. I just didn't feel like I was smart enough to wrap my head around it, which is a shame, but it was my main, I guess, block in terms of starting the journey. That's really interesting. I can see where you're coming from, though, because I think with investing or just any new topic in general, there's not really sort of a framework of like start here and then learn about point B and then point C and then point D. Like you learn about point like B because you Google how to invest and then it takes you down like another path and then you're like, okay, like diversify. Like you just jump like 20 steps and suddenly you're learning about like real estate investment funds and you're like how did I get here and what do I need to know before this which is one of the reasons why I think I'm really happy that we are doing this podcast because I do want it to be like a A to B to C sort of stepwise approach where I guess it is easier because you're absolutely right it's just all over the show. We've got a couple of listener questions or a couple of questions from our community so today I asked our community on our Instagram, you know, like, do you have any questions for Sonia? We're going to be chatting with her today. we got quite a few, so I'm going to sort of chuck a few in as we go. So one of our listener questions was to do with when you were beginning. The question was, how difficult or easy was it to start? For me, it was a bit of both. One was just personal issues, getting over my own mental block of I feel like I'm not smart enough to wrap my head around this, bridge those knowledge gaps and do more research and analysis. So for me, the difficult part was 
just actually pushing myself to get into it and to get into the space. But the actual getting started, looking into a micro-investing platform, putting money into it, that was easy. Yeah, so I think it's a bit of both for me. If someone was listening and they were where you were Mm -hmm. in terms of, I want to get started, but I just don't feel like I am clever enough. Besides, I guess, listening to one of our earlier podcasts that we did on like myths and one of the myths being that you need to be clever. Like what sort of advice do you think you'd give to them? Mm -hmm. I think we just live in a day and age where there's just a lot of information out there. So we can say, oh yeah, just Google it. But to our point earlier, that might lead you down the rabbit hole. For me, uh, me and a really good friend, Momo, we actually did a beginner's guide to investing course. And it was really good. It is completely free. It was through Hatch. And essentially what they did was over the course of 10 days, they would email you day one, day two, and kind of going through the basics of like the stock market, putting it into examples. And it was really visual. So I feel like it targeted every type of learning style as well. But because I was doing that course that broke it down in 10 days and then also like with a friend and we were bouncing back and forth with each other, I think that really helped and it put me at ease just starting that journey like one of my best friends. A really good point. I've never thought about doing it with a friend, but that is such a good idea. I just want to jump in and say I've had a look at that Hatch course. It's really good for anyone that just wants a very like light edition, you know, just get to the basic core understanding of things at hatch e online course is great girls that invest is actually and we haven't actually mentioned this before in the works of also creating our own online investing course that just jumps into things a lot more deeper as well so for those that want you know a bit more of a deeper understanding of how things work and how to choose companies and choose index funds keep an eye out that will be coming but Definitely, I think our generation is just so into understanding things well before we jump into them. And I think like what you did would have really helped settle some of the questions you might have. Yeah. And also the way that I learned is that I like to talk to people about it. I like to regurgitate the information that I've read or written down, explain it to a friend and maybe put it into a real life example. So doing that with A friend really helped me. And I think that's a good point to make, actually. In terms of where to start, how best do you retain information or process information? Is it through a video? Is it through a podcast? Is it through a course? Because something that, a course that worked for me over 10 days, because I had that patience and I needed it (laughs) to be broken down that much, that might not work for other people that might have a shorter attention span and that just wants information real fast. So think there's something out there for everyone that's how i personally did it now we've got another listener question this is from rabia rabia i hope you don't mind this i'm gonna break this question down into two parts when was your first investment in regards to your retirement fund and when was your first investment and that you made outside of that so in regards to my retirement fund, I started my KiwiSaver journey as soon as I started working. So I was back when I was 16. My dad actually encouraged me to do that. And at the time, I just thought that it was, I did not put any second thought into it. I just did it, to be honest with you. And that's carried through. 
in terms of my first, I guess, purchase in the stock market, it was, I was 23. I kind of went with the advice of buying stock from a company that I already knew and liked. So for me, my very first purchase was Apple. I have an Apple phone, got an iPad, got a MacBook. I've watched a documentary on Steve Jobs. Like, <laughs> you know, you kind of know him personally. I know him. Yeah, I just felt like I really connected with him. <laughs> That's a joke. Yeah, so my first purchase was Apple because knew about the company. I brought it a lot. I like their products. And did you want me to give you an amount? Because I remember that. Yes, please, if you don't mind. It was actually $450. Nice. Was it nerve-wracking? No. I felt like I just wanted to keep going. <laughs> it's interesting. I don't remember how I no. felt after. I think it was kind of just like, oh, you just need to rip the band-aid off and go do it. You've researched enough. I don't want to be paralyzed by like sitting in like a state of you need to analyze every single thing. And then, yeah, I just did it. I want to move on to the present. So, Sonia... As a millennial investor today, if you had to tell us what sort of investor you are in terms of how you feel about risk and, you know, are you really aggressive? Are you really willing to take a lot of risks or are you a little bit more on the conservative side? Like, where are you at in your journey right now? I think if you were to take a look at my current portfolio, I'd fall in the middle because around 70% like of my portfolio, it is in ETFs or index funds. And then the rest are in company stocks. So in terms of my investment, I'm solely just in the share market or stock market at the moment. I don't have any investments outside of that. So no property yet. Now, the question we've all, I guess, been waiting for, what is it that you invest in? If you could just break it down real quick for us. So to start off with the index funds, that I invest in. One is the S&P 500. For those of you who don't know, it's essentially 500 of the largest stocks in the New York Stock Exchange um, and NASDAQ as well. With index funds, you're buying like a little piece of those 500 companies. And that's why people like it's really, people are like it's a great place to start because you're diversifying off the bat. The other um, index fund I put into is the Smart Shares New Zealand Top 50 fund. Mm-hmm. One that I've started in the last couple of months was we talked about this in our ethical investing episode, but it's actually the gender diversity ETF. So the I guess the code it's she. Yeah, because I did see some a question in there about you know ethics and like investments that I'm making at the moment that reflect my like values and that would be one of them like I can easily point to that yes so that question was what were the best resources for ethical investing or investing in ways that align with your personal values so just to jump in we do have a ethical investing podcast where we talk about the ways that you can find ethical funds and how to get started and where to find them I didn't know you investing in New Zealand. I thought it was primarily just the US stock exchange. What made you want to invest not only in the US market, but in your local market as well? I don't know. I just felt like it was the right thing to do. 
I just had a gut feeling that I should <laughs> I should invest in my own country and the companies that are here. Yeah, no. It was quite random coming about that decision, but it just felt like the right thing to do, to be honest. <laughs> there is actually a term for that. It's called home bias, which is the tendency for investors to invest in domestic equity. So basically things that are, or companies that are based where you are. So for example, in New Zealand, Fonterra is an example. How do you invest in terms of popping money into your investing account? Is this something you do like every single week or like whenever you get like a, you know, like a bonus, you just chuck them in, like what's your strategy? That is a really good question. So at the moment I've got auto invest set up and I am investing per month around $600 spread across the board Mm -hmm. in terms of, so yeah, that's set up on a monthly basis. In terms of when I review it, I think I'm so happy we're doing this now because I actually have monthly money nights and for this, like I guess for this plan, I'll review it next year. What is monthly money nights? It's just where I review my finances and just have a glass of wine or like a tea or a drink and I'm just going through my bank statements and where my money is going. For any of you who have read The Barefoot Investor, it talks about weekly date nights and then fortnightly date nights. I think I used to, and date night referring to date night with your money or even if you have a partner and you're sharing finances, a date night where you go out and you talk about your money and you'll you know, plan for your money and if everything's still working, has anything changed, does anything need to be tweaked and I enjoy it. So it's gone less frequent as I'm more comfortable with my money and you know, setting up those auto payments. So I do it once a month now, usually the first payday of the month and I get paid fortnightly. So looking into the future, was the money that you've got in your investments and in your investing portfolio, what's your plan with it? What is Sonia going to do with her investing portfolio in 5, 10, 30 years down the track? With this, I'm a big fan of the buy and hold philosophy around it. I'm not really anticipating that I need to touch my investments within a 10-year time frame, to be honest with you. I like the idea that it's going to be passive forms of income and when I get to a stage where I might not want to work or want to take some time off, those dividend payments might help with that. Because with this, like, I don't think your investments should be your first go-to to pull from when something happens. They have a separate emergency savings account for that. So that was actually one of the listener questions that we had as well. The question was, how much do you keep in your emergency savings that you don't use for investment? That's a good question. So before I started my investment journey, I really wanted to make sure that my emergency fund was sorted. So at first it was three months of income. At the moment, it's six months of income and I want to build it to 12 months of income that if anything did happen, I'd leave it there. So at the moment, that's in a long-term deposit bank account. Because as I say, like if there's an emergency, if there's something that I need to have done, like I don't want to pull from my investment money, I want to go to my emergency fund first. So 
that was probably a reason why it took me a little bit longer to start investing because in my head I wanted to sort that time frame out for my own peace of mind. I'm not saying that you need three or six or 12 months of income. I need to say six months of income, not even six months of living expenses, but six months of income like that is insane, Sonia. That is so good. It would probably help for people to understand the position of privilege that I'm in. So I do live at home. And I live with Indian parents who I needed to beg them to pay board uh, because I felt too guilty. So my living expenses already are at a low. Uh, Working from home the past, I'm just going to say year, because it has been most of the year, it's got down on so much, like no commute. I'm not going out and buying lunch. Everything's just at home. That's really helped as well. So I recognize that I'm quite lucky that I got to do that and then I keep getting to do it. I think that's very important, just like mentioning the position of privilege that some of us do have because at the end of the day, like we want this to be an episode where we can listen and maybe be like, oh, okay, like that person's doing that. Where am I? But I would hate for it to be a sense of, wow, she's doing so well, I'm not, without taking into account that, well, maybe Sonia might have had, you know, some cards given to her in life that you might not have and vice versa. And I think we all should really be willing to mention those privileges. I once saw, like, a week ago, someone, she bought a home and she made a social media post about it because, like, who wouldn't when you're like, you know, 20 something and down the bottom of the caption about her purchasing her first home, she included her privileges. And I thought that was so nice. And yeah, I mean, single woman, I live with my parents. I don't have children or dependents or people that rely on my income. And I am in a position to put most of my money away and to put a certain portion of it into investing. I just want to acknowledge, yeah, like the climate that we are in. And the people that I talk to on a daily basis, like with my job and what they're going through, I recognize my privilege in being able to do all this. So to echo what Sin said, definitely don't want to come across any type of way. Now, a couple of questions I want to cover. So you're investing primarily, or at least 100% in stocks. Do you see yourself diversifying into other forms of investments such as Real estate, do you see yourself always being in the stock market? Do you see yourself completely moving away into homes or, you know, 50-50? Like, what's your plan? Absolutely. So I think earlier this year when we've had conversations about it, I kind of shied away from real estate in general because, look, to be honest, I, I really do want to travel. The idea of being a landlord and being somewhere else and then someone like calling you in the middle of the night to fix an issue that didn't seem ideal to me. But yeah, I think real estate is the next step. I don't anticipate that I'll solely be in the stock market for too much longer, maybe to give you a time range by the end of next year, like I start that journey. And I do want to credit Sin in building my knowledge up with real estate and educating me on how and why she's led and the conversations she's having at the moment because it's definitely influenced like my rethinking 
of an investing property. I feel like we're both very similar, and this is probably why we're doing this podcast in the first place, but we're both very similar in the sense that like, if we learn something about money or just something in general, we just have an inclination to talk about it with our friends and share it with our friends because what's the point of gathering all this knowledge and not having everyone around you succeed as well that's what I mean like I want my friends to be in the know as well and since we are trying to talk about it more in our circles it's just what we do I'm sharing articles sharing tips and all sorts of group chats I feel like our friends are sick of us at this point but you know what it's fine all right Food for thought, if you had to go back to your past self from your investing journey, you know, Sonia on day one and Sonia where she is now, what would have been the biggest piece of advice that you could have given day one, Sonia? The biggest takeaway or something that I wish I could go back and tell myself is to trust myself a little bit more and have more confidence In myself, in terms of taking the first step, I think the reasons why I delayed in starting my investment journey, I don't think if I heard a friend say that and that's why they're not investing, like I'd feel some type of way about it. So just, yeah, just have a little bit more confidence in myself, my abilities and get better at being in the heat zone where things are a little bit uncomfortable to start with. And then as soon as you start, it's not as hard as it seems thing we had a listener ask what were your top three influences in your investing journey do you mind sort of speaking on that one was books so i think the intelligent investor is a classic i am rereading the intelligent investor i think it does a great job of just going through like the values of investing and like basics of like investing behavior and for you to critically think a little bit but also something that I discovered in the past month. Have I told you about this? It's the essays of Warren Buffett. I have heard of it. I haven't read it, but I've heard it's a great book. Your author told me to read it and I read it and I was like, holy crap, this is fun because they're just letters. Yeah, it has like mm. pearls of like investing wisdom, but they're also letters about like correct business practices and like business wisdom and, you know, self-employment. It's like, it's great. So those two books. Also, I just want to credit Sim because we talked about this briefly on Monday when we caught up, but the conversation that we had earlier this year, I think it was in February or March, beginning of March, about investing, I think it was over an hour, but it's really vivid in my head. Really? (laughs) Sim just being like, just do it. Just get started. Because we were just going through a back and forth in terms of what we knew, so. Oh, that's really sweet. Yeah. I do not recall this conversation. It was just me being like Shyla Booth, like, just do it. Just get yes. started. Do it. Oh, I think that's a perfect place to end, actually. <laughs> <laughs> just on a compliment for Sim, yeah. This has been a very insightful, very interesting experience talking to you and just letting, you know, me ask all these questions regarding you know what you're investing in why your thoughts behind it what made you start where you're at now where you're going in the future like I really do want to say I appreciate you opening up about this it's not easy I don't think anyone if you ask them off the bat being like hey do you invest and if so can you speak about your money on a you know 
public platform. And so, yeah, I just want to say thanks for, for doing this. It is okay. I've enjoyed sharing my journey and I'm learning to, you know, as I was saying before, just having confidence in my what I'm doing at the moment. It's working for me. It'd be interesting to see where I'm sitting at in a few years, eh, if like we do the same kind of thing in a year now. Oh, absolutely. That will be very interesting, especially, you know, if it's going to be sort of end of next year, this might be when you've got your house. All right. Well, I think, again, thank you. I think we'll wrap it up there. So disclaimer, Girls That Invest does not provide personalised investing advice for your individual needs. We are not financial advisors. Advice from Girls That Invest exists for educational purposes only and should not be relied upon to make an investment or financial decision. Advice from Girls That Invest is general in nature and does not consider your individual circumstances. Always do your research and please use your due diligence. All right. Till next time, Sonia. Till next time, Sim. Bye.